is the Doing Diversity in Writing podcast, the show where we as authors explore the better practices of writing inclusively, whether that be in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, class, sexuality, ability, and so on. Why are we here? To bring more depth and breadth to the characters in our fiction and represent them in the best way possible. My name is Bethany A. Tucker, and with me each week is my co-host, Marielle S. Smith. Ready? Let's dive in. Hey, Marielle. Welcome to episode eight of season two. How are you? Hey, Bethany. Personally, I'm okay. Um, This is just for the listeners. We are recording this on the 28th of February. 2022. 2022, yes. Um, It has been a week in in all kinds of ways worldwide. So personally, I'm fine. Uh, Worldly, um, I don't think any of us is really fine right now. I don't know if the same if the same goes in the US, but here in Europe, it's very palpable. So how are you? It's palpable. It's very palpable. I'm feeling it. Definitely read the news more than lately. This is one time where knowing a lot about history and how things have gone down before gives you a little bit more information to be concerned with. There's also, for me personally, there's been a lot of frustrations around how people represent this conflict and how they are comparing it to others like there was this American news outlet and it wasn't like Fox right and they said something but we don't expect this to happen or something because like the Ukraine is relatively civilized and they use that in like quotation marks compared to countries like Afghanistan and, you know, Iran, where we expect these kind of things to happen and where violence is much more part of the culture. And that just made me. Well, as a historically educated person, I would just laugh, but I do not have enough time on this podcast, even if we extended it out by another two hours to dissect why that is utter and complete bullshit. Yeah, but the thing is that a lot of people don't know, they don't have that background. It's just such a common story. That that violence is very far away in our history and we're very far removed from it and we're safe yes. here in the West. And, and that it's also sort of ingrained into, for example, um, in the Middle East. Let they, me make they, this... Yeah. yeah make, it's let just, me make yeah. this very simple. January 6th, a year ago, Washington, D.C., the Capitol building was stormed. <laughs> In yes. the USA, violence is not that far away from us anywhere. And also, that wasn't civilized behavior. Definitely not. Yeah, but it's interesting that to me, like in that one sentence, we see sort of, sort of like white supremacy and sort of the way that, 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 that we perceive ourselves right? Mm -hmm. As white Western Europeans and Americans. Um, Yeah. Let's talk about writing because uh, like I told you before we started, before we hit record, this is a political podcast. Like there's no way around that. Uh, (laughs) And I said I wouldn't let us go on and we would actually talk about writing. Although I would say we 
that is writing when we think about the histories of things you actually should read up on the history of things and not make assumptions yes and i could talk for probably an hour about how jk rowling has represented um eastern europe in the goblet of the fire so there's writing for you okay no but seriously let's let's dive into today's topic um yes don't want, don't make yeah. me be a naughty producer and like yell at you <laughs> that never actually happens and when it happens she cuts it <laughs> it doesn't happen worst case scenario i have to chop something in post so we get down to our time limit okay introduce so, the topic please today we are going to address something because we've had three episodes in a row that have been amazing. We've had the interview with Grace L. Dillon and talking about indigenous futurisms. And then uh, our previous episode from here last week was uh, the interview with the CEO of Sultan Sage, Aaron Oltz. And then we, uh, we also talked about Encanto and the teams that worked on that Disney film. So one thing that's been coming up over and over again is higher professionals, higher sensitivity readers do it right. So we're going to balance those three episodes out with some realism and mm, yes, just address a need and a pain that exists within the writing community. So yeah, that basically money. Money is a barrier to entry to hiring professionals for many of us, especially in the writing community where there is actually this a huge amount of people who are dealing with disabilities. And at least in the U.S., I know this isn't as much of a problem for certain parts of Europe um, or maybe Australia or New Zealand where social safety nets are better. But the cost of paying for a full developmental editor for the last book I published um, would actually be more money than a disabled person is allowed to keep in their bank account and still receive any benefits from the government. So they literally could not keep that much money in their bank account to pay for that single edit, or they would lose all support from the government in the US. So this is a barrier of entry to some people in our writing community. And I would say a greater number than most of us would like to admit being able to pay for an editor is a real struggle, let alone a proofreader or a sensitivity reader, et cetera, on top of that. Yes. So in this week's episode, we want to address this very specific problem. And there's a couple narratives in the author community that I've heard some people saying, you know, put aside no less than $10,000 to publish your first book, which is not achievable for many, many people. And if it is achievable for you, awesome. You probably don't yes. need the rest of this episode, but maybe listen to it so you can speak more kindly to your writing friends who do have yes. trouble. Which is always and, a good idea. Yes, because I've definitely sat there during writing meetings where someone just harangued about how to do it properly. And I'm like, okay, it's nice that you... Uh, have all the money you need and drive that really nice car and have a house that's paid off and you're retired and can travel to the Bahamas every summer. The rest of us don't do that. Yeah. Um, and then there's the opposite narrative, which is uh, get free resource software, uh, type, type your book up on your Android phone and um, 
use spell check and you know a word processor you make your own cover on a free version of canva you don't have to pay anything to publish which is technically true you can publish a book without paying anybody um we as if you, a if you publish through certain depends on the platform you're choosing Yes. And it depends on whether the platform audits you and then sends you a bunch of nasty notes saying your quality is too low, which is something that has started to happen. Yes. We as an industry have matured to the point where readers have an option, even if you're in a niche, almost always in a niche, to go find someone else to read if the quality is too low. And they are also getting more and more vocal about publishing their DNF lists on like Goodreads or their blog, et cetera. And DNF stands for did not finish. Yeah. So if you are serious about publishing, making money, or at least having a good reputation as an author, I cannot tell someone to go the free route. I just can't because I I, I would feel bad doing that. So we're going to spend the rest of this episode talking about what you can do if money is tight that isn't the completely free option throw your stuff up online naked kind of stuff the the reason why we want to what we specifically wanted to do this episode is because we see a lot of stuff online saying well like this is how you do it and if not stop writing don't do it right um especially around if you can't hire sensitivity readers stop writing yes yes so we just want to address that that's not helpful at all. Um, and it really doesn't acknowledge the fact that we're all dealing with different life circumstances and also that the system works against a lot of us. Like the system isn't in favor to a lot of us, right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so let's talk a few solutions that hopefully will make you uh, feel better about um about all this so first of all of course we're creating this podcast and we are releasing it free of charge for a reason right we when we started this podcast we wanted to lower the barrier of entry as much as we can right so there is no um if you have access to the internet you can find us right um so what you can do is you can mine our show notes right? All the content on our website, because we put more, I hope all, but it's, it's, there's a chance that we've missed a link here and there, but I'm trying to put all the links that we, all the things we talk about in the show notes, right? So you can sort of like just scrutinize those, right? And take out all the free or nearly free resources that are already in there, right? I think that will get you pretty far. It will get you a lot, lot farther than where most people come in. So just just yeah. use it because there we link our free resources linked to even more free resources. And a lot of them are very accessible and bite-sized. And like this podcast, you can listen to it on your commute to work. You can read a blog while you're on the bus, etc. It's it is definitely there for you in ways that you can get your hands around easily. Yeah. Uh, take advantage of all the blogs and guides. Um, like the person we interviewed last week, Aaron from Salt and Sage, they're not paying us to say it. We keep talking about them because we believe in what they're doing. Those unfinished guides that they publish and the ones that are coming, they're short, they're easy to read. You can digest them in five minute chunks if you need to. And 
they're they're being sold for like less than five dollars a book yeah they're uh, in dollars they're like 3.99 yeah so these so these are like lower cost things that you can use to take you a long way yeah absolutely yeah and um a great place a free place to hang out and find such blog posts is the facebook group writers for diversity we already mentioned that um in an earlier episode as well it's it's really for me being in there it's really great to see also the questions that people ask and the really good answers they get yeah and it's and there's so i have never seen somebody say well, maybe you shouldn't write about this then, right? It's all its all very helpful. It's all, it's its again, people linking to other people, right? Or and like even, to other resources. Yeah. Yeah. And even asking, like someone jumped on and said, hey, um, I'm going to have some polyamory uh, show up in this book I'm working on. Would anybody be willing to answer a few questions? And they were really polite. And I said, yes. And I actually gave them an interview. Like I just answered their questions on Facebook Messenger for an hour. Um, and I didn't charge. Uh, it wasn't, it's not a, it's not because I couldn't charge for it. It was because the way they approached, because I offered, yeah. um, and I wasn't the only one who offered, um, we were just helping each other. And I really, yeah. really enjoy the community there that does that yeah just don't go in with that idea right don't go in there so don't go in there so you can mine other people's brains right like everyone is sharing yeah Yeah. so don't expect to go in there and just uh, you know just be like this is a great place to get some free info no it's really based it's a sharing platform Um, no this author did it the reason I offered the offered my time to this author is they came in with like two or three short questions and they yes, weren't I asking. remember it was very specific already. It was so they very knew exactly specific. what they wanted to know. Yeah. It was very short and they were willing to do it on my time. Like Facebook messenger. I didn't have to sit down. I didn't have to prep. I like got the question and I answered it when I could. So yeah. 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 It was not somebody saying, tell me something about polyamory. Right. It was oh, so, I would. so it was <laughs> it was so clear that, that this person had done their research. They'd already yeah. definitely it used a bunch of the free resources. Yeah. So that I think that is really great. Uh, so it's that I definitely recommend that group, but just don't come in there. Don't go in there and, and hope for free consultants. Uh, um, because that's not what the group is for. Um no. it, it's sharing, it's peer-to-peer. Yes. Another option um would be payment plans right and and that is of course that only works if if you can if you can pay a little bit but maybe not like you know thousands of dollars or euros at once like some places like salt and sage um as as i think erin also said on air last yeah, week she mentioned yeah they will consider that right um but like i said it's only if you can pay a little bit every month and not like a big chunk right if if you cannot pay a little bit a month either then this is not an option for you but i think for a lot of people this could be a really good option um like i've made payment plans with clients that lasted maybe one and a half years right for the editing of one book right it's all fine if there's like a contract it's all fine um the thing is it's not always an option 
right? Not every editor or sensitivity reader will work like this, but if you have found someone that you really want to work with, this is something you can always ask. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to ask, especially if you ask respectfully. I think I'm excited about seeing the advent of payment plans show up. When I first started looking for editors, sensitivity readers, et cetera, about 12 years ago, because the it was more focused on traditional publishing, you didn't really see that because traditional publishers were always going to cough up the money right away. Yeah, of so course, yeah. This is yeah. something that's starting to show up and I'm really excited about it because it acknowledges that, you know, most people can pay a bit every month, but maybe not a $3,000 chunk. I write fantasy, so I'm always talking bigger numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, but for like, if you're writing like Cozy Mystery or some of these smaller books, believe me, you're not going to be paying that much. You're okay. Just no. don't go into epic fantasy at over 200,000 words a pop. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it was fun editing your book, though. It was just really long. Um, it was very long. Um, yes. So the other thing that you were talking to me about was sliding scale. Um, yeah, because this is the thing, like there is a, I, I see that a lot. And I think that is exactly because we're making that shift from, you know, traditional publishing houses to working with individuals. Yes. And I think a lot of us are sensitive to the fact that, you know, for, I mean, it, it hasn't gotten easier right? Life and living, making a living over the past couple of decades, right? It's, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, 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 it's become easier for a few and it has become a lot harder for a lot of people, right? So I think that's where these coming from. Um, but yeah, I was specifically thinking of writing the other, and I know we've mentioned the book, um, Nishi on the show Shaw and Cynthia, 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 Ward. Cynthia Ward, that's the name. I didn't write it down. Um, so that book, uh, Writing the Other, A Practical Approach, the Kindle version is like $5.95. And I think the print version, in dollars. And I think the print version is like $12, right? So that's- It's, it's fairly accessible, yeah. Yeah, but their website, so it's not just a book, it's, it's a complete website um, where they offer like uh, webinars and courses around diversity. And what they do is they offer full and partial scholarships, right, based on your situation. So you, uh, this is definitely something you, look, you, have, you can look into. Basically, what they want you to ask if you apply for one of those is to explain your situation. And then they decide whether they're gonna, whether they can offer you a full um, scholarship or whether they can offer you a different price somewhere on that sliding scale that they have. Like their next big thing is a short course on dialogue, dialogue, dialect and narrative voice. And the sliding scale is between 200 and $300. And there are full uh, scholarships available. And Another thing I saw when I was checking today, I had never seen that before. So maybe it's new or I just haven't gone in that part of their website before. They also have on-demand webinars. And I saw topics like, you know, writing fat characters, writing non-binary characters, writing deaf and blind characters. And I haven't seen any scholarship options for those, um, but um, and they're not like $5.95. They're a bit more expensive, but if, if that is within your budget, I think I, I clicked on one of them and it said like $55. If, if that is within your budget, that might be worthwhile to check out. Yeah. I haven't spent much time on there in the last two years. I checked them out two years ago. 
but it's nice to know that they keep developing and having that available. I'm just on their newsletter. So oh. that's, I, I keep getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I my do want to, yeah. On all of my email accounts are so full. I've unsubscribed for anything. I'm not like, anyway, that's off topic. Yes. Um, so like one of our interviewers has said, the internet is an amazing resource. You do have to read it carefully and watch where yes. you get sources. But immersing yourself in the content of those who aren't like you. So even beyond yes. the courses you're talking about, immerse yourself in what the communities that you're trying to write about are saying about themselves and their experiences and what they're saying to each other. You get to listen in. It's this huge village yes. commons. Yeah. Um, so things that we've talked about recently, but I'm just going to repeat are TikToks, YouTube videos, podcasts like this one. Um, reading books written by the community, in the community, listening to their music, um, watching films produced. Uh, go find the indie films. Go find the smaller places. Read news articles and find out, you know, where they're showing up. And, and try for full immersion, especially if you yes. know you're not going to be yeah. able to pay for a full read by a sensitivity reader. I'm not going to shame you for it if you can't do it. If you really can't do it, just do what you can. Yeah. So don't just like read like one novel by a Japanese author and feel like confident that now you can fully flesh out a Japanese character, right? Like you need a couple, right? Yes, <laughs> please. To, yeah. Please don't write a Japanese character just because you've seen Naruto. <laughs> Also that, yeah. So I adore Naruto, but, but yeah, yeah. I would say that this approach, like really sort of like emerging yourself in, in that kind of work, I think that can get you really, really far. It will take time though. But like you said before, this is something that you can do while you're commuting and like you can incorporate that in most of it into your daily life. Although I was gonna I was gonna think like you cannot easily like do a Netflix show or something, but of course most of us are already streaming anyway. So why don't you just stream something else for a while, you know, instead of the next, you know, thing straight from Hollywood. Um, and also we've talked about this before as well. Like you can follow people on Instagram and even on Facebook. So you can see uh, Twitter. So you can just start seeing their viewpoint, the experiences they have in your feeds. You can maybe, if they link to something, you can read the article that they're linking to just to get a sense of their perspective. Um, I you do want to read the comments too, like see what kind of dialogues going back and forth in the comments, if your yes. mental health allows. <laughs> There's, uh, I'm going to move us on. Yeah. Um, so we've talked before about this as well, but I'm going to bring it up as part of this episode. Um, like, like I mentioned, I've, I did publish three books while sleeping in a friend's basement. And I do have a lot of medical bills now and we're paying on debt from when two different companies suddenly had layoffs and so my husband and I both got laid off at the same time once and one time just him. And uh, so we're still paying off the debt from when all that happened. So here's a few things I've done. Um, I have relied on quality, qualified family members and traded work with them. Um, 
some of my earliest edits got done because I washed dishes so someone else who knew what they were doing could sit at the kitchen table and read a chapter and give me comments back. Um, That was not a final edit, but it got me moving. Um, And I did end up winning a writing award uh, for one of my earlier stories when I was a teenager basically doing stuff like that, being like, I know you have no time. What can I do for you? So you have time. So if you are a teenager listening to this, that might be something you can do. If you have no money and you're very young and you can't get a job, offer to mow somebody's lawn, offer to babysit their kids for them. Um, They might be more open to it than you expect, especially if sitting and doing something is easier on their body, an older person's body than, you know, really hard labor that they're struggling with. So it's an idea. I have also traded chapter by chapter online with other authors during the developmental stages of work. And I know Lindsay Broker on the Six Figure Author Podcast has mentioned this many times that she was in online critique circles for many years before she published just honing her craft and trading chapters. She doesn't do it anymore. She's moved on in her stage of career and she is a six figure author now, but trading chapters much like I did is where she got her start. So um, the site that I used was critiquematch.com. I'm not really active there anymore, but um, I know that the site is still active and there are other sites like it and you can set things up so it's more secure. You have to read some sites. You have to do so many critiques before you can ask for a critique or you, it, there's controls in place for some of these sites like critiquematch.com or other sites that have their own versions where you know that one, your work's gonna be protected and two, there's a way of saying, you read this, now I'll read yours. You read mine, I'll read yeah. yours. So that it's an even trade and you're not getting ripped off. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of, I because I know you used Critique Match. I used to use a scribble file, scribe a feel. I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, but that's like the same, like you win like karma points every time you critique something. Yeah. And then you can exchange those karma points to have something of your own critique. It's like a marketplace without money where your yeah. time and your input into the community can be traded. Yes. Yeah. So I, I do want to say like, because you mentioned qualified, right? Qualified uh, family members. And, Most of uh, my family members, I would not ask for help at all. There are few. <laughs> Yes, because I'm just like, I, I've come across too many people who are like, yeah, I have this cousin and they're like, they're they're really good at English. And then I'm like, really? Because some of these some of these novels are like rife with mistakes, right? Um, um, yeah, but then I, I also want to say, be careful before you ask your mom, because I like there's a lot of writers and, and I'm I'm just gonna join them. Like it doesn't matter if your mom likes your story, she doesn't count. She's your mom, right? So that unless your mother is um a, like knows how to professionally edit and is is not afraid to give you like really honest feedback, maybe pick someone else. I have a funny story about this. So I do let my mom read my stuff. Now it's usually after I've published because she takes too long to read it before I publish that the book would never get published if I waited for her. I had a very frank conversation. I was like, mom, you can read it by this date or 
you can read it anytime after. You can do both, but I'm publishing on this date. <laughs> so she was very cute. She was like, but what if I find something? I'm like, well, don't tell me about it on the day I publish it. If you didn't tell me before I published it. Yeah, just tell but, it later. Yeah, tell me later. Um, but my mom saved every draft of every one of my stories I wrote between the ages of 11 and 21. Even the stuff that I was like, this is awful. This is my mom. She will save everything. She thinks anything I put on paper is amazing. And I love the fact that she is such an amazing cheering squad. She is not, however, capable of making me a better writer. I have a sister, though, who was able to look me in the face and say, I'm sorry, throw this whole book in the trash. It's not good. Guess who I actually will lean on and occasionally for feedback? The sister. The sister, who's an artist and understands editing. (laughs) But this is the thing, right? Like, I used to have somebody read along with me as I was writing and did this person understand critiquing a novel no but this person was so excited about the story that she helped me reach the finish line because every time I finished a chapter in draft I just send it to her and then just it was so like her enthusiasm right so that Mm -hmm. can be extremely helpful to get you the finish line but that should not be the only person who reads your book no and my mom is a fantasy reader. She has been one of those cheering squad people for me at points in my life. Um, but cheering squads are not editors. You need no. both. I uh, yes, yes. Don't just confuse to make sure, them. <laughs> yeah, you need both. Absolutely. Yeah. Hi everyone, it's Mariella. Are you tired of getting in your own way and not having a sustainable writing practice? then the 52 Weeks of Writing Author, Journal and Planner is for you. 52 Weeks of Writing makes you plan, track, reflect on and improve your progress and goals an entire year long. It gets you to unravel the truth about why you aren't where you want to be and it keeps you writing through weekly thought-provoking quotes and prompts. 52 Weeks of Writing brings together every lesson I have learned over the past few years as a writer and a writing coach. Wary as I am of comparisonitis and unhealthy competition, I designed this undated author journal and planner to help writers develop a practice that honors their own needs and desires. If you're ready to become the writer you were always meant to be, go to mswordsmith.nl slash journal and order your copy today. So another point we really wanted to sort of re-stress because we discussed this at length when uh, Antoine Bandelay was on the show uh, is, is libraries. Now, depending on where you are, libraries might be free or not. So apparently in the US, a lot of them are free. Um, in the Netherlands, that's not the case. But you can still go inside the building for free and just do your exploring on site, right? That doesn't cost you any money. Um, and the good thing is if there's a book you really want to read and your library doesn't have it, you can ask them if they're willing to acquire it. So you can then read it. Yep. And I, yeah, I think this is a great place to find information, but also books, uh, by a diversity of authors. Yes. Yeah. They'll often have displays or you can go and ask if you're not finding something. 
librarians actually pretty much thrive on difficult questions. They will yes. take it personally if they don't have an answer and they know people who know people who know things. Yes, exactly. So make their day and ask your hard question. Yes. About this character that you want to write and where's the best information to find. Yes. So here's a couple things about um, mining the, in the internet. Uh, I almost said the interwebs. I don't know why. Um, so information, even intimate experience type information. If you live in a country that doesn't have too much governmental control on the internet, which is something I feel like I have to say, I've lived in countries yeah, good where point. like, I couldn't have researched gay sex very well. Um, if you live in a country with more open internet, um, you can find almost anything. Um, but it's a tension and prevalence that makes some information easier to find than others. Let me illustrate. If you are using like a search engine like Google or um, let's be honest, Amazon is a search engine, Facebook is a search engine, YouTube is a search engine. These search engines are optimized to show you what the search engine thinks you want when you type something in. So when you type something into almost any search engine, it's not just giving you the algorithmic most relevant answers anymore. It's giving you the most relevant answers they think you would like. You are based living on, yeah, based, based on, on everything you've searched in your life, basically. Yes. So yeah. for example, during the last election in the US, if you were always visiting like pro-Biden sites and you looked for news, you would get pro-Biden news articles. But if you had been clicking on a lot of links saying that you were a pro-Trump supporter, you're, you would literally get a different internet showing up if you were using yeah. these kind of search engines because they remember. So it's, a, it's the same with climate change. Yeah. That's like they've done whole research about that. Yeah. If yeah, like, climate, yeah. If you believe in climate change, that's what you're going to see. If you don't believe in climate change, you're going to get all the articles that deny it. Yeah. Yeah. And advertising... You yes. literally can change the world you experience online by just start a new account and then hit a bunch of websites that agree with it. You can run this experiment yourself. So when you're trying to do research and you're trying to get outside of your comfort zone, you're trying to get a different idea of what other people might be thinking or trying to make sure that your own biases is not stopping you from information that's relevant to what you're researching learn to go into incognito mode, whatever that means for what you're using. For Google Chrome, there is literally a mode that's called incognito mode and you hit it. And at least on my computer, it turns black. And then you can like search Amazon and other places and it doesn't know who you are. So it just spits out its best guess, which is a lot more of like an actual algorithmic best idea of an answer to your question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that is, I love that mode, right? Yeah, like yeah, it's 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 really easy. It's it's really good to use, and it, for me, it's also black. Um, yeah. Okay. So it also, it's, so it feels a bit as an adventure as well. It, it does. Yeah, it's not going to the dark web. I've had that explained to me, but I think of it about oh. like going down into a dungeon because I'm like shining a torch around. Yeah, but that is good to know that it doesn't go into the. Um, dark web yeah the dark web takes more effort to get into i've had it explained to me i still don't really know how to do it different topic i don't want to know <laughs> uh but yeah i i, I was just gonna say that like 
even if you find things there, right? Like, and I will say this until I die, probably always remember to be critical of the source. Who is saying what? And why check might the publication they publication Also that, yeah. Yeah. Also the publication aid, but also um, who does it benefit that they are saying this thing? Who's making money off of you reading it? Yes. Yes. All right. So there's another thing that we haven't talked about. Bartering. Uh, bartering. Yes. I, I do this a lot. And as we were talking about the, the today's topic, it really hit me that I kind of feel, which is funny because I do this a lot, right? I had to sort of go through this thing that I feel sometimes that bartering is like highly unprofessional. And then I realized that is a very, that I think that's just capitalism wanting to make me feel bad because bartering is much more based on like a comments. Like I have this thing that I can do for you and maybe you can do this thing back for me. And of course, like these days, everything needs to be paid for. Because if you're not paying for it, it, it's not the only value we understand is if there's like a price tag on it. There, there are ethical and unethical ways to do bartering and there are professional and Absolute. unprofessional ways to do bartering. Absolutely. But so let's consider those. Yeah, let's let's consider them. So um, here's because of the time I'm going to just focus on like what's good to do if bartering is what you need to do. And yeah. it works for you. One, clearly, clearly agree. Both sides articulate. Both sides understand what is being bartered and how are you bartering it by? Are you bartering it by project? Like you do this project, I do this project, clear trade. Are you bartering by hour? Like give me an hour of this, I'll do an hour of this. By word count, etc. Like how are you measuring it and what are you bartering for? Yes. Which you clearly don't have to barter. I'm just gonna like you don't have to barter for the same thing. You don't. No, no, you don't. Like um, growing up, even I, you're I, doing the dishes, right? Even you're yeah. doing the dishes for your family member. That's a kind of barter. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, technically, buying something is you're bartering money for a service, but you're yeah. just using something that's not money. Um, yeah. So in keeping with knowing what's being bartered, document. Mm -hmm. Documents, contracts, signed contracts. This keeps everyone from getting taken advantage of or becoming bitter or saying, I don't remember saying that, or I thought you were going to do this for me. Um, it, and, and documenting what you've done when um, allows you to track, to see what's been done, who's done it, when it happened. It, it just it one makes it professional and two can save your relationships. So someone doesn't become bitter and the whole thing explodes in your face later. Which has happened to me before I've lost friends this way. It wasn't fun. Um, but that was before I started doing contracts and tracking and stuff. Now I've, I've learned. Yeah. I do so, contracts yeah. for editing. I do contracts for bartering yeah. and they're written down. <laughs> so Part part like part of this is like you have to choose reliable bartering partners, and you have to quickly drop par partners that cannot or won't keep up or will not prioritize or can't prioritize. Sometimes it's just life, right? Um, and why we want to stress is like like we are currently bartering. Um, you and I, some, yeah, yes, some work, but it took us years to decide that. 
Like, I think we've been sort of like dancing around it for a while, but it, it really took us years to say, you know what, I think, I think we've got to this point, we can trust each other. Um, so it is yeah. important that you know who you are bartering with uh, and that you, uh, that you trust them. Uh, and we also have a contract. Yes, more than one, actually. Yes, but I want us for the, yeah, 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 but let's not get into that. But we do our contracts, right? Um, yeah, so you need yeah. a contract with someone who believes that the fulfilling a bartering contract is just as important as paying your bills in cash or credit card or however you pay your bills. Um, if both sides don't treat it as important as money, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also be open and maintain some amount of vulnerability. So only do this with people that you feel safe being open and vulnerable and honest with. Because when you're paying someone cash, they don't know how you got it and they don't care. But when you're trading goods and services with someone, be you, you have to be able like, that's something I'm comfortable doing. That's something I'm not good at doing. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot, there's a little bit more to discuss sometimes, not a lot, but you need to be honest. Don't say, oh yeah, I can totally make your wedding dress for you. If you, you know, edit this book for me and then they come back and they want you to do, um, 15,000 poinsettias on the hem. Yeah. If you're not good yeah. at poinsettias and if you're doing 15,000 of them, they should probably edit your entire series for the next 10 years. But anyway, I'm a seamstress. Yeah. That wouldn't be insane. Yes. Yeah, but also when you talk about vulnerable vulnerability, like I know we just said, like bartering is as is as important as paying your bills, right? So people need to prioritize it just as they would normal work. But then again, like I've I've worked with people in a bartering situation, and they couldn't keep up because of personal stuff. And then, of course, like for me, that that is I completely understand that. But the problem arose like and the reason that I've lost this friendship is because the communication stopped. This person was so afraid of letting me down and not like doing their end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. that they stopped communicating. And every time I did get comments, like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of it. Instead of saying, I'm so sorry, I'm way over my head right now, like everything is my whole life is on fire right now because then I would have been so understanding but I had no idea what was going on and all I saw is that my complete schedule got messed up um as I kept waiting because you know they were saying it's going to be fine and it wasn't going to be fine so communication yeah. like so this is also the vulnerability right if something does happen right this has to be someone that you can tell that you can say to we need to talk about your deadline because this thing happened. Yeah. For example, and, like, yeah, I've had deadlines with you and then I had a massive seizure and couldn't even see the computer screen. So instead of like trying to rush it or doing a bad job for you, I, I sent you a message. Hey, I, my eyesight is a mess. I'm going to try to get to it in the morning. Do we need to do any damage control? And because I have this potential, we try not to work on deadlines that are so tight that if I have an incident, I can't catch up the next day. But sometimes yes. deadlines are just tight and then you have to communicate. Yes. And this is also like, this is the difference for me working with you and working with this other person. If they had talked to me, I could have done damage control because I can do the work myself, right? Mm -hmm. 
not I cannot do everything right like some things other people like but these are the things that they were doing for me was just so that I had more time to create I was working uh, on, on one of my books right then so they took away some stuff in exchange for something else then I'm like I could do all of these things myself I could have done them in like two days but you did not communicate so now everything sort of like you know it's like a domino effect yeah it follows um, so communication be don't be afraid to to discuss that yeah and the other thing that can happen with bartering and one of the reasons that having a relationship where you can be honest and vulnerable is sometimes you're trading something that there's a gap between your skill level and the skill level of the person you're bartering with maybe they're much more educated than you and you have what's considered a more basic skill to borrow like be honest maybe maybe they're going to do x project for you and you're going to do x amount of something else like that's a lot more work um just because they've spent so much time on their education or experience and they would normally charge a lot more per hour than you would charge for the yeah. work that you're trading with them that's okay um, yeah, it might I've not be comfortable that. to talk yeah. about, but it is okay. <laughs> I've done that with coaching. That yeah. like one hour of my coaching was X amount of hours of what they were doing for me. Yeah. Because that was a completely different skill. Because sometimes people forget is you're not necessarily paying for 60 minutes of someone's time. You're paying for their education level, for their experience in the industry, for their student loans, they're still paying back. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to say it one more time. Have a contract and both yes. sides need a copy. Um, yeah. And, but this is, again, we do have to like, I don't think bartering is for everybody. It's definitely it not. Is, yeah, but I, I do like, it could really be something for you. It could be something for you. There are quite a few professionals that will say, I will not barter with you. And I, for one, will not barter with strangers. If I don't know you, I'm not bartering with you because that level of trust hasn't been built up. Um, yeah. So don't email me saying, hey, I need to barter. That's not going to happen. No. Um, Payment plans, sure. We can talk about that. Bartering, <laughs> that's, a different, that's a different thing. No, I do that with people I trust. Yes. Yeah. And then the thing is that not everything should be bartered for. Um, even if someone does a lot of bartering, eventually, like, I cannot take on a lot of bartering contracts because my mortgage will not barter with me. That has to be cash. So at some point, I need <laughs> cold, hard cash to pay my mortgage. Which is a shame. <laughs> yeah. No, but this is the thing, right? Like there's like, you can do so much for bartering, but some, some things just need to be paid for because, you know, like. You have to pay someone else. Yes. I cannot go to the electricity board here and go like, can I like, you're like, to be honest, their English, the English translation of the website is awful, but I don't think they want me to fix it um, <laughs> so that I can get some free electricity. I don't think that works. Uh, yeah. All right. So here are some ways to know if you should save or if you should consider bartering. Um, if you are choosing between shelter, food, or medical bills, or getting your book edited, then yes, bartering or in some other way, finding an alternative is something you should consider to do. 
do not sacrifice your basic self-care survival good health um if you lose your health you're not going to write the next book you need to stay healthy you need to stay housed yes uh, yes very relevant. they're sacrificing yeah. for your art and then there's potentially not producing any more art yeah, yeah. Um, no you're absolutely right yeah but if you if you can pay you absolutely should and you should pay well Yes. If you can save up, then you need to save up. Um, again, don't go hungry. Don't feel that you need to pay in literal blood. Although if you can do that and it works for you, no judgment. Um, there are still laws on the books in some areas that if you are gay, et cetera, or if you have certain diseases, you literally cannot donate plasma or blood. And I know some people do that. Don't feel guilty if you can't or don't want to. It's okay to have limits. <laughs> yeah. So also something we wanted to discuss is there are halfway measures. Um, yes. Like you can pay to just have one, one or a couple of chapters read or an outline gone over. We also talked about this with Aaron Olds of Soul and Sage. Um, like you have outline critiques. You have your five, your first five first package. Five. Yeah. So yes. that's like the first 5,000 words of a novel. Um, even paying for an hour of like just like a zoom like an oral consultation instead of something else that can really benefit you um yes that is not the same as paying to have a full manuscript read by a sensitivity reader um or an editor and we're talking a bit broader in this episode but it can definitely get you at least somewhere right um and like if you can pay a little bit but not like your full manuscript try like an outline or or um like what Aaron described uh, in the in the in the previous episode, like just have like a, a concept write up of what you want to do with your particular characters, and just have that critiqued. And if you're earlier on in your career, like you just said, I worked with a guy and I read through his couple first chapters, and there were some serious basic flaws. And when I got done going through them, he went back and rewrote his whole book before he showed me the rest of it. And that's good because if he was paying someone to read the whole rest of his book, it was a very long fantasy novel. That would have been a lot of wasted money that he didn't have. Yeah. Getting those edits on the first couple of chapters, he was able to vastly reduce the amount of time that I spent on the rest of his manuscript. So even if you have the money, those, those are measures you may still want to yeah. consider. Yeah. You don't have to, um, like I have my rates for, I have my rates per a thousand words on my website for, for like for developmental editing. Right. But you don't have to send your full manuscript. Like you can just say, can I have like, can I have your eye on the first five chapters? I want to see where I'm going, whether this is strong enough or um, yeah. yeah. It's literally That's why I created the first five package for people. And I, yeah. I charge like $150 for it. I, that is actually what I charge for it. And it comes with a whole bunch of like, if I find certain things, I'm going to tell you the resource, go study this before you hand your book to anyone else. Like, yeah. there's a lot of people that cannot use past perfect or they use present tense for anything, everything, even when they're writing about the past. You would be surprised how many people just cannot do verb tenses. And that would cost you thousands of dollars in edits for someone to manually fix that for you. 
Yeah. So if you know that on beforehand, you can fix that. You can self-edit that. Yeah. 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 I know that I, I, I'm also looking at the time. I know you were talking about volunteering as maybe an option. So, for example, if you're trying to write about a people group that immigrated to a country or a people group from another country, oftentimes there's community centers for these people or we services for these people, like people coming into North America from like South America or into the U.S. from Mexico and Central American countries you can find organizations that support these communities. And if you don't know anything about them and you're trying to write about say an experience or have a character, a minor character that comes from these communities, you can volunteer. You can volunteer to help someone get resettled, like walk them through paperwork. Cause like the US bureaucracy system can be really daunting for someone, especially if their English is broken or bad. Um, you can, volunteer at like a, a soup kitchen if you're thinking about inner city like watch what's happening um these are ways of giving back to a community while learning about them um i know someone who taught english in an inner city to immigrant communities um, yeah i was just thinking about language we call them language tandems oh yeah so you basically sit with somebody and you just talk and they that is usually usually that is that they teach you their language and you teach them their, your language yes and language you learn so much about a culture and the way people think from their language so that's an excellent mm -hmm. way to do it that's i think that's an excellent point so i think last point before we close this off um I'm looking at my notes where I said, yes. And this is, I think, the elephant in the room. Oh, yes. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think we actually talked about this a little bit before. Well, um, just name the elephant so we can all see it. Okay. <clears throat> Naming the elephant. But it's so huge. Okay. So the elephant is that some stories or plots, they simply require a sensitivity reader. Right. There's like there's like period. There's like there's no argument. There's no exceptions. Some plots, some stories yes. really do require a sensitivity reader. Yeah. We've made this distinction before, I think, mostly in season one. Um, if you've written a story where the plot focuses, for example, if the plot focuses on someone becoming trans and going through a transition and they're the main character and you are not trans then one, maybe you shouldn't be telling the story at all. And that that's their story to tell. That's definitely their story. Yeah. And two, if for some reason this is a story that you need to tell and it needs to be you, but the entire focus of the story is about this identity and you don't have any knowledge of it experimentally yourself, no matter what your financial situation is, you need a sensitivity reader. Yeah, it's a really That's where bad I'm idea. Draw the line. Yeah, it's yeah. a really bad idea to try that without a sensitivity reader. Yeah, because that, that's asking for trouble. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I remember you told me this. 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 You had this really gorgeous parallel about this puppy. I, I, can, can you show it us? Uh, share it here as well because that 
I think that okay. can make it clear. Yeah, for all right. I think I remember now. So, so I think I was talking about being gay. And if the t- entire point of the story is like coming out as gay and you've never come out as anything before, like you don't get it. So it's, it's like you wouldn't tell a heartfelt story about loving a dog, raising that dog from a puppy and having that dog travel and live with you. You wouldn't tell a story about that if you haven't at least spent some time around dogs and talk to people who own dogs and get people who know dogs to review your book. Readers yeah. would call you out, especially since so many readers know dogs. Um, yeah. And you would miss things. You would really, really miss things. Like everyone who gets a cat and lives with a cat for three days has learned something new if they've never lived with a cat. <laughs> yes. And the yeah. same thing goes with any other identity or experience. You don't know what you don't know. So often people are overconfident. Yeah. So just to be clear, we're not saying that you should not include these characters, right? Because our whole podcast is about you should be how to do it. These characters. Yeah, how to do it. So but even as main characters, right? We're not saying that you cannot include them. But if the whole point of a story is about this person having that identity, then that just requires an extra level of care, skill, investment, period. So like if you write a book and you just add a random dog to your book, that is fine, right? But Mm -hmm. if the book is about getting a dog, having a dog, and then losing the dog, if that is what the book is about, then that requires an extra level of care, skill, and just investment because you want to get that story right. Yes, you're literally not writing that story if you're not doing the investment. You're writing yeah. your fantasy of what that story might be. Exactly. And that is very dangerous territory. Very dangerous. But secondary characters, peripheral characters, places where it, the point is not the identity, there's a lot of things you can do to get good enough. Yeah. Or get really, really close and limit how much money you have to spend. Exactly. All right. I think we've roundabout said everything there is to say. So I hope everyone is a little bit more encouraged, a little less panicked. Yeah. Um, Because for me, I really like this whole podcast for me is about empowerment and courage. So, yes. I really wanted this to be, you know, before you get like, I should just throw the towel in the ring. There are ways, there are, there are options. There are options. And we will consider, we will continue say to say higher sensitivity readers. Yes. And just know we get it. Likewise, like we won't ever say, yes, make your own book cover without any knowledge of (laughs) visuals and stuff right that's that's just there are just things that we have to keep saying because they harm the community if too many people go at things alone without doing things like professionally yeah but we also want to acknowledge that it can be really hard it can be really hard um so if you have more ideas for how someone can overcome these, uh, go ahead and leave us a note or comment. Yes. Yeah, email uh, we'd us. Love to, yeah. 
or creative ways you've managed to handle and overcome these challenges uh, we would love to hear it so write in yes absolutely yeah we will talk to you all next week talk to you next week thank you for joining us music for this show was written and produced by Eric Mills if you found this episode helpful please rate and review on your favorite podcast app and spread the word so other writers can find us too To get our Doing Diversity in Writing Toolkit, which includes all bonus material from Season 1, go to representationmatters.art. That's dot A-R-T. Here you will also find our episode show notes. Happy writing and see you next episode.